Science Friday is supported by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue, right? And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Listener supported. WNYC Studios. Could the mRNA technology that brought us rapid COVID vaccines open the door to vaccines against a host of other pathogens? There are many we never had a vaccine. Not just that it took a long time. That's becoming more realistic than ever before. Today's Monday, October 16th, and today is Science Friday. I'm sci-fi producer Charles Bergquist. mRNA technology caught the attention of the Nobel Prize Committee this year. But it's a lot more than just updated COVID boosters. A whole range of vaccines are under development from everything from Lyme disease to cancer, all based on those advances in mRNA. We'll talk about it. We'll also talk about an early trial of a triple vaccine against measles, mumps, and COVID that's delivered through the nose. Here's Ira Flato. You've probably heard that there's an updated COVID vaccine on the market, right? Maybe you have already gotten your booster, but there are new kinds of vaccines and new approaches to them under development. I mean, what if one dose could protect against several illnesses? And what if that dose didn't have to be a shot, but a nasal spread? Hmm. Joining me to talk about what researchers are working on for both COVID and other diseases is Dr. Eric Topol. He's the founder and director of the Scripps Research Translational Institute. He's professor of molecular medicine and executive vice president of Scripps Research in La Jolla, California. Welcome back, Eric, to Science Friday. Thanks, Ira. Great to be with you again. Nice to have you. You recently wrote about a trivalent nasal vaccine that showed efficacy against COVID strains, measles, and mumps. Tell me about that. Sounds exciting. Yeah, it really is. I, I'm still blown away by this report from Ohio State. What they did is they took the MMR vaccine, which, as you know, has been out for 50 years, very safe, and they morphed it into an MMS, that is SARS-CoV-2 nasal vaccine. And they did this with some ingenious work. As you know, our, in the vaccines that we use, they substituted two proline bases for the spike critical portion so that it will get into the cells better and be stabilized and elicit orders of magnitude more immune response. Mm -hmm. So what the Ohio State group did, they did not just two prolines, they used six prolines. And they also, of course, went to the intranasal route, which we'll talk about. That's a much better way to go with what we need right now. And so they got superior antibody and T-cell response to all three pathogens across multiple experimental models, not just the mouse, but also the Syrian hamster. So they really had quite a demonstration of the potential for this triple pathogen intranasal vaccine against all of the known major variants. 
So is it just a cocktail of several different vaccines mixed together, or is it one molecule that somehow works on all three? Well, it's basically adapted from the MMR vaccine, the mumps, measles, rubella. So it's taking the trio, but switching out the rubella to COVID and then going intranasal. And of course, this critical thing, the 6P, which I think we had known that the 6P could be better than the two proline substitution. But that, I think, is really what made this so stabilized. Can we get this vaccine yet? I- I wish. No, it needs to go into clinical testing. I wish it would go in quickly. Uh, There are so many great candidates like this one. This one's unique, Ira, because of the triple um, pathogen. But there are many others just against COVID that look exceptionally alluring. Such as? Well, if you go the nasal route, which is what I think is uh, imperative, given that our biggest concern now is getting infections or reinfections. And we don't have a good way to do that because even the updated booster that you mentioned isn't so durable against infections. It's good against, of course, severe COVID hospitalizations and deaths, but the effect against infections is temporally limited. And so we need a nasal vaccine that basically blocks the virus from getting into our upper airway. And that's what nasal vaccines do. There are some that are already out there, and there are many candidates that are in the process of phase three definitive trials that we're waiting for a readout. Uh, And they likely should be effective against all variants because they all work through the upper airway and they rely on our mucosal immunity. That is a separate type of antibody pathway known as IgA. uh, And the shots just don't get us there. They don't work locally. They work you know, across the right. whole body through our bloodstream. So we really need nasal vaccines. And hopefully uh, sometime next year, we may not get this triple one that we discussed, but at least one against COVID would help. Yeah. Could you get one with chicken pox, flu, COVID in there? Sort of a triple? You're getting at another point, which is in the future, you know how people are getting now both the flu and COVID shots together. Right. But they're going to be vaccines. There already are RSV and flu, flu and COVID that are, you know, in development, gone through clinical trials. So the likelihood of just getting one shot is going to change. Uh, Hopefully what we're going to see is much better, more durable shots that are against not just COVID and all of its potential variants, but across the other respiratory viruses that we are concerned about. While we're on the topic of vaccines and COVID vaccines in particular, the updated Novavax vaccine was recently approved. So people have a choice of that, right, as opposed to the Moderna or the Pfizer boosters. Is that significant? I think it is. Uh, It's not entirely clear. But as you know, from all the prior work with mix and match vaccines, when you'd have a protein or an antiviral vector vaccine mixed with an mRNA vaccine, almost invariably, it led to a better immune response. That is, it amped it up because basically the body was seeing something different to rev up the immune response. So that's why I think the Novavax, for most people, of course, have had mRNA vaccines, might give an extra kick, maybe a more durable, certainly, uh, you know, another incremental protection. So I think it's a good thing. Whether it is really that much different, we don't know since there aren't any, you know, head-to-head trials like this. But if we just extrapolate from the prior work, 
with these mm. mixes. Uh, it looks like it has uh, an edge and, and that would be good. Hi, I'm Alexis Ohanian. You may know me as one of the co-founders of Reddit, but more recently, a large part of my identity is being a father to my wonderful daughters. In my podcast, Business Dad, I hope to open the conversation about working parents a bit. You'll get to hear from a wide range of business dads, from Rain Wilson and Guy Raz to Todd Carmichael and Shane Battier, to find out how they balance being a dad with a successful career. Business Dad is available now, so be sure to listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You write in your Substack a commentary about the Nobel Prize in Physiology or Medicine and what it really was signaling, and I'm going to quote you, in many ways, the prize may someday be viewed as a promissory note for the unprecedented expansion of mRNA's utility to promote or preserve human health in the future. And you, you have a whole list in, in your commentary of all the different diseases that might be amenable to an mRNA vaccine, from cancers to chickenpox, everything there. <laughs> Right. Well, this is something I think has been missed with this Nobel Prize to Carrico and Weissman, because the thought is, oh, well, that's just for their fundamental work that led to the COVID vaccines with mRNA. But that's not really what it was about. The Nobel Committee spoke specifically about the mRNA platform, because mm -hmm. until their published work back in 2005, when they you know how we were talking about substituting the two prolines? Well, what Carrico did was substitute a pseudouridine in the mRNA, which basically led to blocking the usual very vicious inflammation immune response. So that has basically made mRNA the platform that it is today, not just for COVID, for vaccines against so many different pathogens. But as you mentioned, now we're in trials, clinical trials, multiple RNA vaccines against cancer, some with already promising results of revving up the immune system better than we can with current drugs, but also blocking our immune system for autoimmune diseases, improving the delivery for genome editing. And the list just goes on and on. Yeah, I'm looking at your list. Rabies, chikungunya, influenza, RSV, Zika, CMV. They're all in clinical trials. This has just opened up a whole new platform that wasn't really conceivable until we learned through Carrico and Weissman that you could just give mRNA as long as you made a substitution that was better than nature, which is what the right. theme here is, um, <laughs> you could get away with it. And we talk about a messenger RNA. You had a message that could do versatile things. Let's look into the future. I mean, look into your crystal ball and tell me what we might be seeing five or 10 years from now. Well, I think what we've learned, and of course, COVID helped uh, push this over the goal line, is that mRNA therapies are going to be part of our armamentarium. And basically, we will see a far better approach, for example, to cancer. We know cancer is so much a defect of our immune system to prevail over the, the cancerous cells. And so this is just one way, among many others, to get a, a far better immune response. And what we're really talking about is not just treating cancers, 
but the exciting potential in people at high risk of cancer. You know, let's say they have tumor DNA in their plasma, the earliest possible way to diagnose they had cancer, or they have you know, high risk because of their genome variants. You could give them a vaccine to prevent cancer from ever developing. Wouldn't that be exciting? Or, or, or spreading if it's already started to spread? Exactly. That would be, you know, with the tumor DNA in the cell-free in the, in the plasma. But we're going to see things like that that we could hardly envision before cancer just being one example. You know, I'm really excited about these tolerogenic vaccines that basically are the reverse vaccines that prevent the autoimmune diseases from occurring or treat them far better than we can today. Like diabetes and other things like yeah, that. Yeah, I mean, you know, rheumatoid arthritis and lupus right. and multiple sclerosis and the list goes on and on. And this is a huge issue uh, because right now we rely on immune suppression and that, you know, is only partially effective. The, the disease progresses. But what if we could prevent that? And uh, these are some things that are, if you go fast forward, you know, we've got some new opportunities we didn't have before. Plus, just going back to the pathogens, there are many we never had a vaccine. Not just that it took a long time, uh, but it ne we've never been successful. And now that opens up, you know, almost all pathogens uh, in the future, like a, a universal flu vaccine. Wouldn't that be great? Uh, and that's, real, that's becoming more realistic than ever before. We have Project NextGen that the White House worked very hard, Ashish Jha and colleagues, to get $5 billion to support nasal vaccines and better, durable, less side effect pan variant COVID vaccines. So hopefully in the months ahead, we're going to see an outgrowth of that investment. And I think we can look forward to, I hope, better vaccines, not just against COVID, but well beyond infectious diseases. And that's really enthralling. Well, we hope to have you back, Eric, to talk about all that. It's great to be with you again. Eric Topol, founder and director of the Scripps Research Translational Institute. He's also a professor of molecular medicine, executive vice president of Scripps Research out there in La Jolla, California. And that's it for today. Lots of folks helped make the show this week, including... Felissa Mayers. Danielle Johnson. Beth Ramey. Nahima Ahmed. And many more. Next time, a tricky question. Is math real? Thanks for listening. We'll see you soon on Science Friday. I'm David Remnick, host of the New Yorker Radio Hour. There's nothing like finding a story you can really sink into that lets you tune out the noise and focus on what matters. In print or here on the podcast, The New Yorker brings you thoughtfulness and depth and even humor that you can't find anywhere else. So please join me every week for The New Yorker Radio Hour, wherever you listen to podcasts.